Isabella, running amidst the trees. Who's there? I said as I stood in my head. And nobody answered me. and welcome to the Fringeworthy Podcast. This week we're going to do something a little different. Um, we had several episodes of the Fringeworthy Podcast where we went into off-topic subjects and uh, while it was valuable information, they just either didn't fit into the show or they weren't long enough to have as their own show. So what we decided to do this time around was to clip out three different segments and mash them together into a show for this week. So, our first segment is going to be uh, an answer to uh, listener mail, and it comes from Brian, also known as Billion Six, and his question was, does iDebt hire non-iDebt fringe walkers? And here comes the clip that answers that question. We have some more reader mail, and I want to say thank you to everybody who's already posted some messages asking questions about Fringeworthy and the secrets of the Fringe Paths. We have this one that came in from Forum Boards. It's from a fellow by name, well, his email name is Billion Six, and his first name is Brian. I don't know what his last name is, though. So, Brian, this is your question Does IDET hire non Earth Prime uh, Fringeworthies? They find a walker, a fringe walker, which we'll explain later, or from like the, the zeal or Erder, Does I did hire them? Lex, what do you think? Absolutely. The Earth only has so many people, and they need to grow their numbers as fast as they can. Plus, they can also use these other people with their technologies and their, their outlooks, especially bringing people in. If they have a meeting, for example, they've come up with some problem, they have a meeting, it'd be good to have a different perspective from a completely different you know, alien race. That's true. And also, that's what the alien corpse really is. Right. The, it's IDET's way of, of wrangling the other races out there. One big umbrella. It's like uh, the, the Fringeworthy Foreign Legion. Yes, the Fringeworthy Foreign Legion. That's, good. that's a good analogy. Uh, though some people like the uh, Victorians will say, mm, no, we're not their Fringeworthy. We are our own people. We just work with them. But, you know, it depends on your point of view. The Alien Corps is a loose confederation of Fringeworthy from other member worlds of IDET's little fledgling commonwealth. They are not necessarily... Explorers. There are everybody who's fringeworthy that is involved with IDET. But certainly, there's so many fringeworthy on Earth. Why would we ever want more fringeworthy to work with us? And of course, I'm being facetious. <laughs> right. <laughs> Pretty much anything that can slither, walk, trundle, or whatever, anywhere near IDET, they're going to be wanting to add them to their personnel. Now, a lot of worlds are going to be low in technology. And so there may be some limitations. But, you know, Earth 
we have places that are low in technology too. There are places where when you're living on some of the streets of some of these third world countries, you're really only a step above the Stone Age. Uh, you might be able to see those gleaming towers and jet planes and things like that, but if you're somebody who doesn't even have running water available to them on a consistent basis, you're probably not going to be very well educated. You're probably not going to have a lot of technical skills. So therefore, a person coming from a world from a 17th century technology or some other type world, post-Holocaust, anything – they're going to be in pretty much the same boat. And so IDET, they give them extra special care and bringing them in uh, through the alien core. But they definitely want them. As you said, uh, Otto, there's a, a great advantage about having these different points of view because you know we come from a, our history. Our history gives us a certain kind of view. Someone who came from a more religious hierarchy or a world where possibly it might be more or less of of a idealistic type world, you know, we need people to keep us keep us honest. I that loves Fringeworthy of any ilk, with the exception of the Mellow, because they're Fringeworthy too, you know. Well, and Fringe Pirates, and Fringe Pirates. A Fringe yeah. Walkers, which is a term I threw out. A Fringe Walker is actually a name for people who've discovered the, the pathways, and then just basically went walkabout. They may be riding horses, for all we know, or just walking the pathways and looking for a, a pocket stop they can go through and get some food and water or whatever. They're just people who've basically been walking the pathways. And the new race that we added in the newest edition is the old men, yep. who are Neanderthals. And they are completely fringe walkers. They're not part of IDET. They just amble along and show up here and there. They you know, drop words of wisdom and then amble on. Yeah. That's, yep. that's what they do. Don't ever yeah, overlook the obvious in that if they have higher technology or some kind of training, that they would be definitely wanted and, and sought out uh, to join. And then there are the Slarg. The Slarg, they are they're good at finding things and then running away as cowards. Yes, yes, Slarg. Your Slargs are pirates? No, they're just cowards. <laughs> Abject cowards. Abject cowards, the slargs are. They, they yeah. love to eat, though they have no table manners. Well, they can drive jeeps as long as you put the window down. That's true, because they have uh, sonic eyesight, and therefore with the window up, they can't see anything but the inside of the cockpit. Yeah, they also can tell you what you had for dinner, too, which is disturbing. <laughs> you can tell what they had for dinner because it's all over them. Yeah. <laughs> So do you want to talk any about you know playing one of those types of characters yourself? I've never actually played a fringe walker with the exception of a slarg. And the the problem with slargs, the problem with fringe walkers in general as PCs is the GM has to determine where they've been and what they know that IDET may not know. So you kind of have to plan out a whole life path for these people if they're going to be PCs so that when you go to a world that they were on, they can say, oh, yeah, I remember this. This is I was here like five years ago, and this happened and that happened. And uh, But I know this great sushi place, you know, about uh, three miles from the portal, and, you know, we can go there, and I even got the right coinage for it. They take silver. If you want someone who has some experience but isn't from Prime, you have their Victorians. They were actually on the fringes six months before we were. So they have some experience, but not that much, and they're only like one or two away. So it's not that hard to do a life path for a, uh, say, someone playing someone from Victorian Earth. So have you ever played a, an alien character other than a slarg? 
I've GM'd, so I'm, well, other than the playtest games, I never had actually the pleasure of. Closest I came to it was a guy who, who decided he was going to play a Kung from Africa. Well, there was a time we had the Dalek. Oh, God. <laughs> from the Doctor Who universe. When he went through the portal and all his... Exterminate! Exterminate! Right, and all his electronics shut down by going through the portal, it kind of threw him into a a kind of a mental shock, uh, almost a fugue. But since the travel machines at the time uh, were described as operating by telekinesis, he still was able to roll along. And he rolled along for he doesn't know how long. But then when he finally woke up, he was in this big, strange place of pathways and portals, and he kept rolling around a little bit more, trying to fi- uh, find somebody to interact with, and sure enough, he rolled across some humans, these IDET people. He was rather surprised to find out that on Earth Prime, Daleks were a fictional character. Okay. He didn't feel fictional. <laughs> right. So how so, did that work out? They got to play them for a while? He played him for quite some time. Uh, the problem, of course, was that nobody ever trusted the Dalek, and ultimately they decided that they had to get rid of him, And uh, at which point the Dalek, realizing he was being betrayed, you know, went into full Dalek mode and pretty much killed most of the team. And <laughs> it was a pretty much of a, a camp, well, not a campaign ender, but a team ender type scenario. Right, and they they wanted to play new characters, which is one of the reasons we went this route. Yeah, when we played, nobody, uh, nobody in our group ever played actually one of the alien aliens. We did play several times different people. They were always human though, from different worlds. Uh, I think one time our whole group started in Night City in, in the cyberpunk setting. We came about IDET from a different direction, and then wound up joining and serving that way. We weren't really real cybered up because we were beginning characters, so we didn't have a whole lot. Those of us who had stuff that wouldn't work wasn't too detrimental. I think one guy had an arm and another guy had an eye or something, and it, they didn't work right away. But then when you got off the pathway, because they were recharged off your own energy, they'd power up shortly afterwards. So <clears throat> I think we went back, and they were running with biomechanical stuff, and then that stuff absolutely worked completely. So it was it was way more expensive. It was like 10 times more expensive, but then we upgraded everything to that. That was how we ran that, and that was a pretty good game. That was a pretty good session. But, I mean, they're technically they're aliens, so... Oh, sure. So, so Yeah, alien is just somebody who lives on another world. Yeah. Right. In some cases, another country. So, Brian, the answer to your question is yes, Ida does hire people. If they pay them, I'm not sure what they would pay them, in, if they would pay them an actual script of some sort. Because normally, if you're an Ida from, say, United States, you get paid in dollars. If you're from Europe, you get paid in euros. If you're from off the pathways, I guess they pay you in gold or silver. I'm not sure. I'm sure they give you a, a, some kind of a credit account that you could draw any way you wanted to using the Internet to buy stuff. Because, I mean, money is only good for buying stuff anyways. That's true. And you can't spend dollars on, on other Earth because it probably won't look right. By the time this uh, French free happens, we're probably more or less electronic anyway for a lot of our cash transactions. There's very little in the way of actually printed dollars or printed euros. Yes. IDET, powered by PayPal. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, uh, thank you for the question, Brian. You're listening to the Fringeworthy Podcast. Our next segment is about the Fringeworthy Bible. 
Now, this is a set of rules that was laid down by Rich and the other developers where everyone discussed what the actual canon rules were for the Friends of the Universe. John and Bruce mainly, I'm in it a little bit, but mostly those two guys talk about the development of the Frenchworthy Bible and what it's about. So take a listen. John, for those uh, who aren't really familiar with how we put the game together, could you explain to people what the Fringeworthy Bible is? Oh, yes. Um, over, over, was it five years? It was five years, wasn't it? Over a series of, of a couple of years, we, we worked out the history of, of the French past, of the Tremelin, of, and how things work and why they worked. And it was a, a series of, uh, of online chats where we did a lot of, and this is before, this is before Skype, so we were doing this uh, all online typing away. So we actually had these paid volumes and volumes of thousands and thousands of words of of us yelling at each other over over the internet <laughs> on how things worked. So the Bible is just as our way of codifying everything into one nice little source. So we so we had a question, we would go to the Bible find the chapter and verse, and that's, and that's how we were going to do things. Right. It was a consensus amongst the developers of all the different things about the Fringeworthy universe, so that when we went further, when we advanced the game further and decided how we wanted to expand it, we would have all the things that were the underpinnings of the game, the history and the physics and everything else all written down. This has never been published but it's still, uh, as far as the desire is concerned, it's still the real official Fringe Universe. But because it has been published, it means that you guys, well, even so, even if we did publish it, you guys can still do what you want to do. Uh, yeah. But we're just saying is that the, when we talk about the way things are, we're talking about usually a lot of that you've never heard about or haven't read in the actual Fringe Manual. We're talking about something that came out of the Fringe Bible, you know, because that's what we're all working off of as we do our further development. Not to be confused with a fringeworthy Bible, which you might find some on some world, but that's goes without saying. <laughs> so, so basically, I mean, I mean, technically, if you were taking fringeworthy one hundred and one, the fringeworthy Bible would be your textbook. Those are the rules as far as the developers are concerned, as far as Rich is concerned. Um, right. So, so anything that goes on from the future, uh, I mean, like future as in our time, as in real future, as our future. Uh, it's going to be based off of these set of rules. We sent it to Richard, and we said, is this okay? And he said, yeah, okay. But, All right. So that's, so that's, that's, that's as official as, as you can get. That's as much of an endorsement as I think we're going to get. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, you always got to remember that the guy buying the game, sitting at the table with his players, at that moment, it's as, whatever he says goes is as official right. as his group gets. So right. if if you want to change stuff up, it's your game. You bought it. You can do what you want with it. Yeah, yeah. You're the boss, but the, the reason that we're doing the podcast is because we've had a lot of experience with the game. So one of the reasons we put things down the way that we did was we thought that it would be the way that would be best for the game. Okay, so this last bit uh, came from our most recent recorded show. Somehow we got on the subject of promoting Fringeworthy and promoting the website, you know, promoting it at conventions and just getting involved in general. And it's a pretty long segment, but 
I think it's you know it's a good thing for you to listen to, and hopefully you you know you'll take heed, and you know some of you will step up and get involved, and, and we would like to see a lot of people get involved. So, not to uh, badger you or, or try and you know twist your arm into getting into the the system, just take a listen and and see if any of it applies to you, and see if there's any way that you know you could see yourself getting involved in the fringeworthy community and helping promote our our uh, common interests. Well, but I did. Uh, I Facebook page would be ginormous, probably. Oh God! I <laughs> yeah, you have one. You like like what, uh, t- what was her name? Tia something or other had Tia like you tequila. Know, yeah, it has like ten. T- you know, has a hundred thousand friends. That would be so. funny, you know. Maybe we should start a uh, a uh, IDET Facebook page. We got a fringeworthy. <laughs> we have a fringeworthy Facebook page, which I think people should join. That's well, true. I did join it, but you know, it just mostly it's about us posting our podcast. Yeah, it doesn't get a whole lot. It doesn't get a whole lot. Why don't you folks who are on the Facebook page do some more? I mean, you should know about this stuff, right? <laughs> we. We, we definitely encourage people to join the Facebook page and to post, say stuff, get involved, whatever. I mean, you know. Yeah, tell us about your character. I mean, most people are like, no, no, don't tell us about your character. Ah. Tell us about your character on the Facebook page, please. Right. Tell us about yeah. your adventures, your characters. Uh, you know, just say hi. Just show up and say hi. I'm blah, 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 and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm friends with such and such. You know, I mean. Honestly, we're at a stage right now where when people ask questions, we answer them on this podcast. You know, we're, we're going to be doing some more question and answer stuff. Um, we are definitely we're definitely fan centric. You know, if, if you play the game, if you're involved, if you ask questions, you will become part of the process. If you play other games and just like the ideas that we're bringing up on Friends, really feel free to, to suggest, you know, ask other things because. Since we are totally cross genre, right. um, you know, every if you're in a fantasy world and you have you know some kind of a setting you want to develop, you know that's a fringeworthy adventure as far as we're concerned. Me and my group, we love fringeworthy. We have been playing. We have essentially been playing fringeworthy for the last 25 years, but we rarely play the fringeworthy system as it is. You know, we'll incorporate it in the other games that we play because you know we like all kinds of games. We're like anybody else. We like to try other games and stuff. But you know, we always incorporate French really into it because French really doesn't have to be a system; it's a concept. Right. You know, and so if you are playing, I don't know, if you're playing uh, Savage Worlds, and French really is going to be for Savage Worlds. Let's say you're playing Savage Worlds right now, and you want to put French really into it. It's no problem. If you're playing Seven Seas and you want to bring Fringeworthy into it, it's not a problem. As a matter of fact, that's a good point. Let's say you're playing a system and you don't see how Fringeworthy can integrate it. Get on Facebook and ask us how to do it. Or, or you know, email us at the podcast. Ask us, you know, say, hey, I'm playing such and such. How would you put Fringeworthy into that? Every game that Richard Tohoka of TriTac, you know, who, who created Fringeworthy, put out as another game, Bureau 13, Incursion, FTL, 2448, every single one of them has Fringeworthy in it in some way or another, as, especially the supplements, the, the adventure supplements like Rogue 417 about a post-apocalyptic biological disaster or um, Invasion U.S. where the Soviets managed to conquer the United States. They all have Fringeworthy in it. Yeah, that's actually a good adventure. Which one? The, the, the Soviet one for Fringeworthy. Oh, okay. I, I, my, my personal favorite is Rogue 417, but that's just me and, and, and loving you know, post-apocalyptic kind of stuff. 
Right. Yeah. So, I I don't know. I I grew up you know I grew up under the bomb. You know. Yeah. So did I. I think and, all three of us did. Yeah, but I'm just saying is it, it's you know to us we we really thought growing up that any day you know the bomb would drop and you know we were probably toast. So. You know, we we were very interested in reading literature where somebody managed to survive it. What were their techniques and and things like that? So now, of course, we we, we hide it. We we camouflage it and say, oh yeah, we're just preparing for the zombie apocalypse. But in fact, is these were all the same kinds of stories that we actually developed ourselves. So uh, I mean, for, to try to cope with the fear of of imminent uh, imminent death at any day. Mm-hmm. So. You know, so uh, an adventure like Rogue Force 17 was of great interest to me because of that. It has also in the back of it, you know, I mean, I might as well promote TriTech stuff. It has a, a, a very short and, and, and uh, fledgling system for mapping out reemerging civilizations. Uh, you have a grid system where you pick a spot and you say, okay, this is a, a little village this here and then you figure out what's around it and the technology that is in those outer areas affects the technology and the other resources that are in the, the area that, that they're surrounding and then you also affect that area and you can keep gridding 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 until you can actually do a map of a of, of a, a post-apocalyptic wasteland that actually makes some kind of sense uh, it's not fully developed, uh, I, I, but it was cool to do it. I sat down and worked one out one time, and it was playable. It was something I could see. Oh yeah, I see all kinds of adventure hooks here, and you can use that in your fringeworthy game, because a lot of worlds are basically recovering worlds. Yeah. Maybe we should do an, uh, a, a a podcast one time where we go and do that, where we say, let's assume it's a post-apocalyptic world. Let's use the system in the back of Rogue Four Seventeen and see if we can come up with a decent map. By the way, if you guys have any ideas of uh, podcast topics that we haven't done yet, or even ones you want further developed, feel free to let us know. Uh, go, you know uh, leave a comment um, on the uh, podcast website, and that would be great. Uh, but uh, any any help that you guys can make by uh, uh, the, our, our faithful listeners by uh, uh, either going out and, and leaving messages on various boards about the game, especially. If you would do a review of the game for either the the RPG site.com or RPG.net, uh, both of those places are highly trafficked. We really need a review of the the D20 uh, modern version of Fringeworthy. You know, I would consider it a personal favor. <laughs> and, oh yeah. Because I won't I won't I won't put a review out since I wrote it a, a, along with John and, and, and Otto. So I don't feel it's appropriate for me to put a review of the game that I love so much. So we really have to count on you, our our uh, faithful listeners, to do that for us. So please, someone, put a review out there, okay? Right. As 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 members that you know, we do the podcast as the official TriTap podcast. It's it's a little self serving for us to do a, a review of it, and it's I don't know. It feels kind of disingenuous. Right. It's also I mean, not so. unethical too, but you know. Right. Well, <laughs> of course, we're going to say wonderful things about the game, okay? Because right. we love it so much. But you know, we, you know, and 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 there and there's nothing wrong. I mean, I don't. It's not morally wrong to talk about something that you love. But you know, but at the same time, we would have to say, oh, and by the way, you know, we work for you know, not work, but you know, we we are uh, you know contributors to TriTac. So right. anybody who reads it, of course, is going to say, well, well of, course of course they, they said that. They say it's great. Yeah, so uh, a review that comes from somebody other than us would be, hold so much more weight. 
and yeah. <laughs> and right especially look you know if you if you're somebody who's involved in any kind of convention or you know you go to conventions make sure you contact us to get uh promotional stuff that you can pass around set on tables and stuff like that because you know anything we don't have we'll generate and we'll get it to you we uh richard the is already guaranteed that he can provide certificates for product that can be ordered off of his site. So, you know, it's, it's, we're talking free prizes, scenarios, you know, we, the, the initial care, I have the initial character sheets for, uh, for, uh, uh, Wheelie and the rest that are in the back of the book. You guys can download them and just use them as your, uh, characters for doing demos. That's what I do. Every demo I've done in the last two years, I have used those characters. They're a good group. You know, I, uh, a lot of times people like to play Cosgrove. And uh, from the uh, matter of fact, the last time we played, we literally, they took nobody but uh, <laughs> the uh, Victorian characters. They just said, we want to do the, a Victorian mission this time. And I said, okay, I hadn't planned it that way, but it makes sense. There's no reason why you couldn't have a totally Victorian team going out there and exploring. Well, it wasn't you know, total Victorian. There was a slarg. Right. You're right. There was a slarg. Right. <laughs> and he be John. <laughs> he be John, that's for sure. But that yeah. was fun. I really enjoyed that. But, uh, and, but honestly, and dinner. it was so good, I threw it up and had it again. Nice. Th- thanks for sharing that, John. <laughs> but, but you know, we can even, um, even if you, for example, let's say you're going to go to a convention and you say, you know, I, I, I'm going to go to a convention. I would like to run a campaign, but I really don't have anything that is, um, let's say you've been running your group or whatever, and you don't really have anything that is, that is, um, uh, convention friendly, you know, because it has to be a four hour adventure. You have to have, uh, you have to have action in it, but it has to wrap itself up within four hours. Um, I'm sure that between the three of us, somebody could put together something for you to run. Any of the adventures that I've run at Gen Con, you guys can can have. I mean, really, it's I'm not making. I'm not expecting to make any money off of these things. Oh, yeah. So I would be perfectly happy to give you my notes. Uh, uh, if I have time, I'll, I'll I'll try to develop them into a more coherent package that you guys can just take and run. Because you know they're set up for a four hour time block. They've got you know exciting uh, encounters in them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they they embody what I consider to be some of the best aspects of Fringeworthy, the things that make people excited about the game. So, you know, hey, you know, not, you know feel free to take them. Knock, knock yourself out. You know, you know, have fun. You know, bring more people into the, into the hobby or, or in, uh, and especially into Fringeworthy itself. We're all for that. Or if you have your, if you have something a, a scenario you like writing, uh, we don't really, you know, we, we, there's a concept of, uh, from uh, Pinnacle Games and makers of uh, Savage Worlds of one sheets. These are basically one sheet adventures. They're they're more like a, a jumping off place. Sometimes and sometimes they're a complete adventure. They're just not detailed out. It's up to you as the GM to, to fill in all the details. And when I say one sheet, they basically fill in one sheet of paper, both sides more or less. They may include the uh, the a, a stat block for the the uh, boss NPC if there is one. Uh, but for the most part, they are self-contained little adventures that sometimes will run in four hours if you uh, do if you pan them out right. Well, anything that's on one on both sides of a sheet of paper would probably be just about the size of a four-hour adventure. So you know, 
get involved. Be part of the process. You know, mm-hmm. we're we're happy to help you with that. And we'll help compensate you as best we can. <laughs> Which does not equal money ever. <laughs> right. No. But you, you get you you will give you twice as much as we get for doing this podcast. <laughs> right, right. Which means you'll have to pay us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you pay us in our in your compliments. <laughs> right, right. That is that is our compensation. Uh yeah. so seriously, uh our compensation for doing the podcast is you uh getting excited about your game, about fringeworthy, uh leaving comments. Uh, posting to our boards, you know, this is how you can say thank you if you, in fact, are getting something out of this. And it, you know, and we really hope you are. Uh, that's why we're doing this. And mm-hmm. uh, so, you know, you know, give us a break here. Help us out. Help yourself out. You know, you know show us the love, man. <laughs> right. And we'll try and reward you any way we can, you know. Right. Whatever way, yeah, you say, you know, say you know, we 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 go to conventions. We do things. You know, you got to live near one of us because we got John on the west coast. I'm on the northeast coast. Uh, Bruce is down on the southeast coast. I know some of you guys are coming to Dragon Con, okay? And I live right here in Atlanta, so you know, there's no reason why you know we can't do something. Right, and I'm I I go to uh, Icon, which is in Long Island, New York. Um, I go to Balticon. I'm going to be going to Dragon Con. Um, I go up to New Hampshire. I even travel to New Hampshire to go to a little uh, convention up there. So if you live anywhere in New Hampshire, there's OGC. Um, you know, I'm going to be at Gen Con this year. I've been at Gen Con every year for like the last ten years. So I'm going to be this year. I'm going to be running demos there. Uh, you know, event- hopefully. Well, if it's if it's an adventure I've listed before, it's an adventure that I didn't get to go. I, I didn't actually get to run the one that's uh, Louis Hope. That was an adventure where, unfortunately, uh, uh, none of the players showed up for it because I said it it's on Thursday morning, and that was too early for people to be showing up and playing. And there was another scenario I ran where uh, only one player showed up, and that would have you know, been way too much for a, a new player to play. So I ran an entirely different scenario for them. So you know, I'm just saying is if I run a scenario at Gen Con, it's going to be a scenario that's never actually been run there before. So. Please feel free to sign up. I haven't put any new um, any scenarios in yet for this year. I know uh, I, I got to get on that because I don't want to run you know run out of time for you guys to sign up for the Fort GenCon. Uh, but I'll be doing uh, uh, games for uh, Euro 13 and Fringeworthy. So please uh, sign up. You know, enjoy yourselves. <laughs> Introduce yourself to me. You know, really, we we, we want to meet you guys. But but not only that, Bruce. If you're going to be at one of these conventions, or you you could be at one of these conventions, and you're thinking about coming, um, and and you're comfortable with the system, and you you know you're you're an accomplished DM, you run some games, and you feel confident in running something at a convention, you know if you want to volunteer, and we're going to be there, then that works out really well because you know you can get support from us. We'll help you. We'll uh, you know. Um, funnel people your way whatever you need you know you'll get support from us you won't be there you know it's like if you think well if i go to this convention i can't run a fringeworthy campaign because nobody will show up you know um that's not true that's not true right example for example if you go to icon um i know the the reason why i'm going the biggest reason why i'm going is i know the guy who runs the whole gaming portion of it if you show up there and you want to run a campaign i will get you players there will be players at your table. Don't worry about that. I'll make it happen. So, yeah. 
That, that's I don't want to give the impression that these games aren't popular. I mean, the only problem I had last year was the fact that I didn't get it into the program guide, so everyone already had other games they were signed up for. The first year I had it in the program guide, I had eight players for every single game I ran. And, and you know, they, and it was a great time had by all. They all I asked them, I said, did you guys enjoy this? You, you know, you know, were you guys you know, having a good time? And they're like, oh, yeah, man. We never heard of this game before. We loved it. We think it's great. So, you know, it's... Don't think that you know you can't do that. And if you're running a game, and don't think you're competing with me either, because if you're, uh, we had one guy who was running Bureau 13, and I gave him, I sh- gave him prizes and all kinds of stuff like that. And I told him that if he wants to do it again this year, I'll bring him more stuff. So you know, if you're at a convention that I'm at, and you want to run a game, I'll be glad to give you support. That's fine. You know, I have, you know. I, I can do all kinds of stuff. I gave away T-shirts for Bureau 13 last year, and everybody had a great time getting them. And I'm going to be at uh, uh, Dragonflight this year, so I'm actually thinking of running uh, another Bureau 13 game. I'm also thinking of running a uh, Hardwire Hinterland game using Savage Worlds. Okay. So that's going to be interesting. And of course, I, I may be running. I may be running a Fringeworthy game. Hint, hint, Bruce. Uh, <laughs> Well, I'm sorry. Where you're? Uh, where's this again? Uh, Dragon. This is Dragonflight. It's, it's it's the big gaming convention here in Seattle. Okay. Well, what's the hint? Hint to me. <laughs> you, you mentioned you have scenarios and stuff like that. Oh, oh, um. oh. Okay, sure, sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, to say it, if I if I can take a break from all this editing I'm doing, I'll be glad to write up scenarios. Right, right, and I guess we could put it out there. If there's anybody out there who doesn't mind editing audio files and you want to volunteer some of your time, yes. we will not say no. Yes. And the, the operating term there is volunteer your time because it's right. Yeah, you know. right. right cause, okay, yeah, just so everyone understands, uh, this this is our uh, incredible uh, editing suite here. Okay, uh, John records these podcasts on the Skype call recorder. And then he sends that to me, uh, or or Blix, and then we run the uh, uh, it through what's called Levelator, and uh, there's a new version of that I haven't tried out yet, which makes all the audio sound a little better. So if one of us has a quiet mic and the other one has a loud mic, we get it all even, and then we bring it into the free again the free program. These are all free programs called Audacity, and we do the editing, cutting out you know verbal ahs and ums and things like that. And making sure that you know it's the right length, and then we can always, at that point all we have to do is add on the music and, and maybe a, a little station ident in the middle of the of the of the podcast, and we're ready to go and put it on the website. So these are all tools that almost everybody with a even an average computer would be able to use. They're not you know, they're not high end type programs, and they're easy to use. You know, let's say you can you can be part of the team if you want if you want to get into it. We uh, we have no problem about it, having people on as as guests on our uh, podcast as well. If you've got a story to tell, uh, if you have some ideas about fringeworthy that, that you think that only you can can uh, appropriately you know explain, well, hey, we'll, we'll have you on for a segment. You know, you know uh, that's fine with us. You know, we're here doing it because we love the game. And we want you to love it too, so we're doing our very best to to bring the awesome. So, if you can bring it to us, that's all the better. Well, that's it for this week's episode. I hope you've enjoyed 
this mixed mash of uh, topics that we talked about. I hope you get something out of it, and we would really like it if you you know you got involved. Send us some emails. You know, we'll be happy to address any issues you have or expand upon anything that you want to expand upon. And until next week, this has been the Fringeworthy Podcast.